Welcome everyone to Just Crypto. Uh, my name is Vanessa and today I'm super excited because I'm getting ready to learn a little bit more about some DeFi primitives and capabilities that I was not aware of before. Uh, we've got the wonderful folks from Nolis Protocol here. Uh, I'm joined by uh, Carmen, who's the co-founder uh, of Nolis, and Meta, who's a DeFi strategist. Welcome to the show, folks. Thank you for having us. Yeah, no, Thanks it's absolutely... Absolutely a pleasure to have both of you here. Um, you know, as, as we are in, in crypto, I do have to say, like, most of the show will be about learning. So please learn more, FOMO less. None of us are financial advisors. Uh, use this as an opportunity to engage uh, and to learn some cool new tricks about DeFi protocols. Um, if you are kind of here live, uh, always uh, love to know who's here in, in the live stream, kind of following along. Uh, please say hi. Let me know that you're here. Also, do hit the like button. It, it helps with the YouTube algorithm, which is always a good thing. I uh, want to say hi to Neil, who's joining. Neil, welcome. Great to have you here. Uh, South Padre Tony, uh, two in a row. Great to have you here for the, the, the second show as well. Um, and so we're going to get kind of right into it. Uh, Nolis Protocol is pretty fascinating for me. I think that the folks have some interesting things up their sleeve. But before we do that, uh, let's start to get to know our guests a little more. Um, so Carmen Meto, perhaps you could share a little more about your journey into crypto. How did you find crypto? When did you start? And, and how did your journey get you to building a, a, a project? Uh, in the, in in Web3? Well, my journey basically started long ago with financial products. So I basically come from financial background. I have been doing a lot of big four, meaning accounting uh, advisory work with different big four companies. And once I did that, I actually joined a consumer lending company entirely online like six, seven years ago as finance director. This is approximately when I also started to learn about crypto and really take it on, let's say, on a private journey, meaning mm. getting interested of it and how it's built, how it's how different blockchains work. Now, probably like 15 months ago, we actually saw an opportunity coming from the web to lending business that I, I, I have been working for. We saw an opportunity to actually do lending on the blockchain better. Because this is what we do. We do lending. With our Web2 company, we have credit cards, debit cards, leasing, sell and lease back, uh, instant loans. And we saw an opportunity of how, because lending on the blockchain is done with over collateralization rather than smartly. And we want to do it a little bit more smartly. And this is when we started 15 months ago as an idea at the very final stage now, just before launch. Meta, please, as well. So, yeah, my um, experience is uh, not that uh, impressive uh, as common. So I joined crypto basically yeah, quite uh, later than most, uh, around the beginning of 2021. And, uh, yeah, uh, it's interesting that I first started off uh, uh, as a wanted to be a smart contract developer, but later on, I really started getting into all of these various DeFi protocols on various ecosystems. So I... Uh, noticed that I really liked researching everything about them. And uh, yeah, basically that uh, that passion led me to uh, Nolas. And uh, yeah, that's uh, basically here I'm doing what, uh, what I like. So that's uh, pretty cool. That's brilliant. I love that we've got kind of an OG of, of crypto and finance. And, and then, uh, you know, Meta, you had an opportunity to experience a little bit of the bull market and, and perhaps unfortunately more bear market than bull market of late. Um, so we're here talking about Nolis. Uh, Carmen, can you tell us, like, what is Nolis? Why is it interesting at all? Many, many factors. Uh, first of all, it's a layer one. It's an app-specific chain, which is built with Cosmos SDK. And we actually aim to address the inefficiencies of the crypto market, as I, as I said, lending especially. So we try to tackle over-quarterized over lending, we all try to tackle high risk of liquidations. We also try to tackle asset ownership. So people, users are able to do more from one platform rather than going to many different platforms. So Novus, in a sense, is a non-custodial Web3 financial suite. And it allows you as a user to actually manage your digital assets, meaning you can buy, sell, swap, stake your crypto, earn on your crypto. But most important, you take the world's first DeFi lease. This is like our core lending product. So it's a money market, which is defined by lenders and borrowers. On one side, lenders provide uh, stable coins in order to earn. On the other side, borrowers take financing, like 
a peer-to-peer -peer platform on the regular world, but which gives additional perks to the users. So over-collateralized lending is killed, risk of liquidations is decreased, and you have asset ownership. So it's a one-stop shop for anyone to do crypto on an, in a non-custodial way very shortly. There's there's a lot to unpack there, and you know we have yeah. viewers here of like varying uh, skill levels. Uh, so let's start with like over collateralization. Uh, what is that? What is the problem in, in in crypto? Like why are we all over collateralized, and how does traditional finance solve it, and how does um, Nolist solve it? Well, crypto lending as a lending from 2017 till now, it has been doing over and over the same thing. You provide a collateral meaning that you already need to have some crypto, you provide it as collateral and you get up to 50% out of it. Once you do that, after approximately 35% drop of the price, you get fully liquidated. So you basically get a collateral, you receive only 50% out of it. And if the price drops by 30%, you receive nothing, you get fully liquidation. Now, this is over collateralized because you have two times more collateral compared to the one that would be given to you. And this is what we try to turn around. So you provide with nose, for example, a down payment and you can get three times more compared to that down payment. But you don't need to own assets beforehand. So you don't need to have crypto beforehand. You can come with stable, you can come and ramp some fiat and actually take your first position and take it three times more in exposure. This is how we reduce the over-collateralized problem by a factor of three, actually. So I could come you know, from my bank account with Fiat, put $100 and take out $300 worth of Bitcoin, say, or, or whichever assets. 150% or three times more uh, than lenders, meaning that if you come with 100 in Fiat, you can turn it into stable, you can use it as down payment and then receive up to 150%. 150, okay. Uh, so 150 in total. So your position would be for 250. Oh, and great. Okay. So this feels like um, there's some risk involved, right? So in the, in the over-collateralized system, uh, you, you get liquidated, and so that ensures that you don't have bad debt in the system. Uh, how, how does uh, Nolis protect against that bad debt if you're offering sort of 150% uh, more? Yeah, so well, maybe I can. Oh, yes, please. Maybe Go ahead, Meta. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, basically, in, uh, the, those lenders that you're familiar with, you you have your collateral, you take a loan, and uh, you're fully liquidated after a certain drop of the price. But in our case, you come with a uh, deposit, like as Kamen mentioned, and you get up to 150%, which by the sounds of it, it looks risky, right? So, uh, what, what, however, what actually happens is that both your deposit and the loan that you get from the system, they get swapped in the background to the asset of choice and they both act as collateral in that sense and not just the, the initial deposit. So in that sense, you get like a stronger guarantee and like for a lower risk of, uh, um, of liquidations. Yeah, so that's like the, the magic behind it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to unpack it in, in, in my brain, and maybe we're, we're diving a little bit too deep at the, at the start, but uh, so you, you, you provide $100 um, and you want to borrow some Bitcoin, uh, so you borrow $150 of Bitcoin under the covers, that $100 you provided is also moved into Bitcoin, and then you've got $150 of Bitcoin as well that you've borrowed. Um, now, uh, if Bitcoin was to drop, uh, wouldn't that mean you were liquidated quicker because you now have the collateral assets in the same asset that you're borrowing against? It's actually 40% lower liquidation rate compared to crypto lenders. And this is how it works. You have your 100 and then a loan would be given to you for 150 in stables, let's say. So the total 250 are swapped into the BTC. And now the total of 250 actually act as collateral. So the price needs mm. to drop by approximately 45% in order for you to get only a partial liquidation of your assets. Now, if the price continues dropping around 45, uh, 55 to 60% drop of the price, you would be getting fully liquidated. But please remember, you have initially received three times more exposure. So if you receive three times more, you still get better liquidation, lower liquidation, with three times exposure compared to current crypto lenders. Now, if you 
make the same transactions as with them, you have 100 in deposit, you get only 50 as a loan. The actual first liquidation with nose would happen after 70% drop of the price rather than 35, two times better. Okay, great. So this is where you start talking about lower risk because the, um, the, the point at which you start getting liquidated uh, is a lot more extreme in terms of price movement. Uh, and it's also uh, not liquidated all at once, right? You've got partial liquidations. That is correct. So you would be actually getting a partial liquidation, which would re relieve you to a healthier level. Once it does so, if the price continues dropping, it would again do a partial liquidation to get you to a healthier level. But this allows you more time, more time for the price to recover and more time for you to act. And it gives you the cushion of being liquidated later rather than earlier. Oh, very interesting. So, so if I am liquidated, you know, obviously I'm getting to keep what I borrowed, right? So why wouldn't people just come in and get completely liquidated since they can borrow 150%? So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, first, uh, I guess, the, uh, I guess uh, part of the confusion comes from the fact that most people think that they're borrowing BTC, like in your example. Mm. But uh, in yeah. reality, uh, in, in this system, Lenders only deposit stable coins, so borrowers can uh -huh. can borrow stables, but these stables get swapped in the background to the desired asset, right? So, in in a sense, you have this like cross chain margin position, but it's uh, yeah pretty uh, pretty uh, neat and common can share why why that why that's the case. Well, stables are essential here in our ecosystem, so lenders deposit stables, those stables are used by the borrowers. The whole idea is that behind the scene, we would be connected to different DEXs and transactions would be swapped. So the stables from the lenders and the deposit from the borrower would be swapped to the asset, desired asset of the borrower. It could be BTC, it could be Ethereum, it could be Atom. Now, those are purchased, so the actual asset is purchased. It is locked into the smart contract at the lease position of you as a user, as a borrower. And then you can actually use that asset during your position to, for example, to earn yields. If you are using Atom, you can liquid stake that Atom and receive 20% annual percentage rate. If you're using Ethereum, the, the point at the end would be that it, you would be able to earn uh, rewards in Ethereum as well. There would be many whitelisted yield optimization strategies on the protocol so that you earn and do something with your asset while you have taken three times more exposure at lower liquidation risk. Ah, oh, interesting. So you mentioned there'll be opportunities kind of native to the protocol itself. Uh, and so maybe this is where we can dive into a bit about Cosmos and wh why you decided to choose Cosmos for it and how the IBC relates to anything that Nolis is doing. Yeah. Uh... Yes, that's a really great question. And yeah, from from the start, of course, uh, we we're considering deploying the pro uh, protocol, let's say, on a general purpose blockchain, such as like uh, the EVM chains, uh, like Ethereum, uh, Avalanche or Polygon. But uh, in, uh, in a sense, uh, this would kind of uh, limit the protocol, right? So uh, mm -hmm. by when you have your own blockchain, such as uh, an, uh, as an upchain, you you can uh, pretty much uh, extract more uh, more value for for the protocol itself. So uh, for, first of all, uh, like uh, your token, for instance, it can get more use cases. And uh, yeah, basically, if you're also on a general purpose blockchain as a as a protocol in uh, bull markets, as we are all familiar, uh, you could have this let's say, uh, hype around a new upcoming NFT project. And this can ruin the experience for the users of other protocols that are really yeah. on that blockchain. So uh, by having your own app chain, you don't have to share block space uh, with another application and your users can feel comfortable interacting with, it, uh, with, uh, with the product. Especially if you're doing liquidations and they're fairly time sensitive, right? If price is moving quickly, uh, you don't want to be waiting for the latest yeah. NFT drop on Ethereum to, to get through. Definitely, yeah. And as you also mentioned, IBC, that's like uh, the, the other thing that's uh, currently uh, we believe that Cosmos is uh, the furthest in terms of uh, interoperability capabilities for uh, among uh, among those, all of those technologies out there. So with IBC, 
you not only get to transfer tokens between chains as a bridge, but you can also do more complex stuff. So you can uh, basically utilize functionalities on other chains from within your chain. And uh, that way you, you can pretty much build up products on top of that that are abstracting technology away from users. So you as a user, you only care about the app actually and its functionality, the product, and uh, not on which chain you are and mm -hmm. uh, oh, here I need to switch wallets, I need to uh, transfer uh, tokens uh, and uh, etc. And that this can be especially very problematic for new users who have yet to experience uh, crypto at all. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely a big barrier there. And I'm kind of getting excited at the idea that, you know, you can put $100 in, you could take 150 of those dollars, move it over to Osmosis and start yield farming for some very nice rates on, on different things. Um, perhaps uh, before we get to a demo, I know Carmen, you've got a demo that we're going to get to take a look at. Just want to say hi to Profitcom as well. Hello, everyone. Um, Eve, Ola, welcome. Welcome to the show. Uh, and if you are here and you have any questions for Carmen or Meta, we've got some experts here. So please uh, use this opportunity to kind of get engaged and, and pick their brains with all sorts of great things. Uh, but let's get to, to the demo if you're ready, Carmen. Yes, sure, sure. So here, maybe before we jump into the demo, uh, just a quick note. So you, as I mentioned, the one-stop shop for your asset in a non-custodial way. So the first and foremost, you can use your Kepler wallet or you can use your ledger in order to, to be part of the ecosystem. You don't need to create a new wallet. But if you're a newcomer, you would be able to do that. And you would be able to do that through Google notification service, meaning that with your Google account, you would be able to create a non-custodial wallet. Everything you see is non-custodial. There is not, no centralized party operating in this ecosystem. Okay, and wait, you idea... said something that broke my brain. You said I could come with my Google account and you give me a non-custodial wallet. Correct. How does that work? Because I don't have the seed phrase, I don't have anything, I've just got my Google account. Yes, so you basically, there is a company called Google Owned that would be creating and using your Google account in order to create the seed phrase for you in order to create a wallet. And it would be providing it to you in two different or three different ways in order for you to keep it safe, let's say it like that. So you basically, you we would be, as a third party provider, we would be using that service in order for you to create a wallet. That's very cool. So so it is fully custodial. You'll have the seed phrase, um, but you just start with a Google account. Um, I, I think like the adoption and the on-ramps is definitely a big challenge. And I, I'm really happy to see you tackling that. Sorry, carry on. I interrupted because you, that, that just seemed very, very cool to me. And, and this is the whole idea behind Nose, being very simple in terms of what we are building and how we build it. So uh, sorry about that. So you, for example, this asset here, uh, you, you, this is the front page of, of what you would be seeing. So it's all actually live on testnet, meaning it's not mainnet yet, but we're going towards there probably in month, month and a half. So everything here, for example, you have your assets. It's USDC, our native NOS token. You have some atoms, some different tokens. You can swap them, you can buy, you can sell. This is the easy part. Now, you can also take the DeFi lease, as I mentioned. So let's do it live. So you have a lease here. You want to put your $100 that for, for the example that you gave, actually. And your $100, you are able to borrow up to $150, right? So let's say that you want to purchase Atom. This would actually give you the $100 plus the $150 would give you 23.8 Atoms here. Now, this would be coming at a price of 10.4 for the atom at interest of 12.2%. So you basically get a liquidation if the price comes, drops by 40%, partial liquidation, drop by 45%. So once you click lease, this is the moment that this is everything you need to do, actually. It's only two-click solution in order to take 150% above your down payment, and you actually would be receiving and getting more exposure immediately towards your Atom. Now, it would be possible to take not only Atom, but take staked Atom, for example, so that you earn rewards. It would be possible to use liquid staking from day one in order for you to be 
able to get those rewards from liquid staked assets as well. So once this is done, now currently it's being in the opening position, meaning that on the on the backside, on the uh, blockchain, it is taking the position, it is creating the IBC channels, it is creating the least smart contract, and probably it takes around a minute, a minute and a half in order to do all of that. Now, in the meantime, while it's opening, I would also show you the earn possibility. So you as a user, you can also deposit stables, be a lender to the protocol, and deposit uh, or more like stake NOS in order to earn from the staking rewards of the proof of stake. Now, for example, your supplying of tokens is extremely easy. You provide 10 in terms of uh, in the pool as, to the, as a lender towards the borrowers, as we've discussed. And once you do that, they are there, they're earning interest. The approximate interest would be based on cash basis, on what the borrower pays in cash together with the rewards in NOS. So first lenders will be able to receive approximately, let's say 40 to 50% APY. And that's it. You have just deposited 10 into your account. You can immediately withdraw them if you decide to do so. There would be, wouldn't be much rewards if you do that. But if you stick with it, your 50% would be increasing and you would be receiving NOS rewards as well. Now, let's go to the list. Hopefully, it's open. Here it is. It's opened already. So you provided a down payment of a 100. Maybe just shoot it a little bit more here. Yes. So you provided a down payment. You've purchased 23 atoms for your outstanding debt of 150, meaning that you've taken 150 from the protocol. This is your interest that would be due. This is the price of the atom that's currently 10.4. And the liquidation trigger that would be happening. So this is your list position. You can use and do as much as you want as list position. Extremely simply, you can do another one, for example, in, in Osmo. If you decide to do so, you can do as many as you like. Now, the whole idea here is that once you click repay, you are able to come and repay in any currency. So you can use, for example, mm -hmm. your Osmosis token, or you can use your Ethereum, your BTC, whatever token you want to, re, uh, to repay your loan with, it takes you 150 stables in order to repay. Meaning that, for example, in osmosis, you would need probably to deposit 160, something like that, 155 in terms of uh, 155 osmos in order to have 150, a little bit of one, uh, above 150 in stables so that you can repay it. Once you do that, you can actually you can provide a down payment and repay in any currency. As long as you want to enter BTC or wrapped Ethereum or Atom, whatever that is, you are able to do that. And this is the idea of the IBC. You actually, on, oh, you're switching the down payment to stables, using the stables from the lenders to purchase your Atom position. Once you do that, once you repay in full, your loan would be completed, meaning that it would be going from here, the 23 point, uh, the twenty-three atoms would be now your assets, meaning that you can do anything else with it. You can send it to another wallet, you can swap it to different assets. And the whole idea of the protocol is to be really simple in terms of usage and understandability. I, I think it's very interesting that you, you do both the, the lending and the borrowing in stable coins. Uh, versus you, you know the actual asset that you're borrowing against and i'm curious what are the trade-offs between say having someone uh, repay in 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 atom and kind of having the, the value be pegged to atom versus stables right so conceivably you would you could be asking them to pay back 23 atom that could fluctuate in price so uh, that yeah. uh, so basically uh, you're always repaying stables because in in this protocol as a lender lenders only deposit stable coins so borrowers technically borrow stables so uh, the asset that you're providing uh, whether it be atom osmo whatever it basically gets swapped in the background again uh, mm. to to usdc which is old to the protocol right so in a sense, everything uh, is uh, boils down to this USDC that uh, goes goes back to the lenders, and that, that that's why it doesn't matter. Uh, it's uh, of course it's uh, it's 
a bit faster to repay in USDC because you're doing it directly rather than with uh, with an other asset, which, which uh, in the, in that case, in the background, travels to the DEX of choice, Osmosis, and gets swapped. And uh, the pretty cool thing about this design is that you're basically seeing the end results, but in the background, there are happening many, mm-hmm. uh, many complex actions are happening. And that's what to, I was referring to yes, uh, le- uh, earlier, uh, that uh, technology needs to be abstracted as far as far away from the user, so they uh, they do not uh, need to consider what's uh, actually happening in the background that much, but rather they take they only care about the product and uh, the the end result, and that's it. Uh, keep in mind that you actually mentioned something about the fluctuation price. So if the price of the of the atom actually increases. And you've seen that you have 23 atoms. Now, if the price increased from 10 to 20, you still own only 150 stables. Meaning that once you come with your 150 stables and repay it, you are having now 23 atoms that are actually worth not 250, but 500 or 550. Mm-hmm. And they are yours to keep, meaning the full upside of the positions, position is yours to keep. Now, we even imagine it, the product as, as a leveraged product, meaning margin or futures contract on centralized exchanges, but done on a fully decentralized way with lower risk of liquidation and with actual ownership and yield optimization options and strategies during your DeFi lease. All of those are not actually offered by any centralized exchange and you're enti- working on an entirely non-centralized wallet with your crypto, with your money. I, I do want to get to some of the yield optimi- optimization strategies, but before we get there, perhaps we could jump to the earn experience again, uh, because it showed, uh, you know, kind of the, the initial rate that you were getting there in terms of yield at 24%. Uh, is the yield that you're getting uh, all in USDC, or is there a combination of kind of your token versus USDC to make up that yield? There is a combination. So first of all, Lenders are providing some something in the pools, right? They provide, let's say, 100. Now, once they provide those 100 into the pools, borrowers start taking them. Now, once borrowers repay interest, those this interest goes directly to the lender immediately on cash basis. So we are not working on a accrual basis. We don't promise 20% to the users. We just say whatever the borrower repays in interest, in cash, it goes to you in stables immediately. And why is it important? It's important because lenders would be capped on this protocol. We wouldn't allow lenders to be five times, five times, 10 times, 20 times more than borrowers. We're actually using an efficiency ratio so that we stop new deposit once we have the protocol has sufficient funds into it so that that efficiency ratio stops new deposit. This actually guarantees that you as a user, as a lender, you would be able to receive full real yield for your lending stable coins. So you get 100 and most of those 100 would be given to borrowers and most of it would be receiving like interest 12, 13, 14% and you're receiving actual real yield of 12, 13% for your, for your lended stable coins. Now, additionally, there is an incentive pool with our NOS tokens that contains 12% of the total token supply that would be distributing and incentivizing lenders with additional rewards in NOS. Those could be staked on the network. You can earn additionally from the inflation pool, which is another 15%. And at the end, you get like 12 to 13% in stables, then 15% in, in, from the pool, and then up to 15, 20% from the inflation, you basically get up to 50% APY, especially in year one and two. That, that's very interesting. So a part of the, the yield is actual real yield from economic activity that's happening. There's no kind of funny games with it. And then a part of it is in the token that, that you've got. Let's let's talk a bit more about the, the, the token to kind of go a bit deeper. Uh, what is the token? What do the tokenomics and distributions look like for it? Uh, you know, again, to everyone watching along, like not financial advice at all on any of this, but just to help understand, uh, you know, the, the setup that they've created. In terms of tokenomics, everything is distributed to to the public, let's say it like that. The whole tokenomics is done so that the token 
is central to this ecosystem. First of all, the token is the only way to pay gas. So this is essential. Second of all, there is there are revenue streams to the protocol, as you as you mentioned. Everything that the protocol earns is actually given to the lenders mm-hmm. again. There is also an opportunity for the protocol to buy back its own tokens. So basically, whatever is not used and given to the lenders, it actually buys back our native token and refills this incentive pool again for the lenders. And this is the whole idea of being long-term there because once you start buying more tokens and with the volume increases, meaning if your adoption is high, you would be buying more tokens automatically to the smart contracts through your buyback program and refilling this incentive pool, which would then be distributed to lenders again. This gives them incentive to stay for the longer term. And the tokenomics, for example, there are 24% that are separated for uh, the DAO treasury. That would be deciding what to do with those funds. There is a seed round that we've just completed and raised 1.5 million uh, for 7.5% of those tokens at 20 million fully diluted valuation. We also would be doing different other rounds in the future once we launch. They are part for the lenders, which is 12%. They are part for the stakers, which is 15%. They are part for strategic partners and liquidity for liquidity initially on osmosis as first pools, but then on different other pools as well. And the whole idea is to have many DEXs connected to the NOS protocol so that we can swap automatically, do liquidations automatically on many of them, and then have a lot of liquidity on different DEXs and SEXs. That's very interesting. So the, the, the token itself, does it have a hard cap or does it have a, a constant inflation rate year to year? So it uh, it has a hard cap, but so the maximum supply is uh, 1 billion tokens, so there, there won't be more. Of course, uh, the inflation rate will start uh, uh, stronger at the beginning and gradually go down as time passes. Uh, we have, uh, I believe, a detailed uh, uh, the di- diagram that showcases exactly how, uh, how much of the supply would get unlocked uh, on an yearly basis, and uh, this can be seen on our web uh, web uh, website or on our white paper or the doc the doc, uh, docs so yeah and for folks looking we do have links to both the website and the white paper and the documentation in the description below so you'll be able to find it pretty easy there um let's jump back to the yield earning opportunities that are here on on nolas and maybe you know common meta you could talk a bit about like what are the ones that are native to nolas and, and how can people uh, use the, the cosmos as a whole for some of those yield opportunities so yeah, at uh, at the beginning, uh, we will be integrating uh, liquid staking derivatives by Stride, and more specifically for Atom, uh, the liquid staking derivatives for Atom and Osmo, which are ST Atom and ST Osmo. And uh, the cool thing about those liquid staking derivatives is that uh, the yield is basically uh, auto compounded in the background. So uh, by holding this derivative, it uh, naturally appreciates in value since yeah rewards are auto compounded in the background and uh, by having uh, a, a higher yield than uh, the old interest you now have something called self-repaying loan and uh, it's a pretty neat uh, mechanism uh, that uh, uh, that is for uh, that is uh, the, that would be an additional incentive for people to kind of enter those uh, positions. Of course, uh, this would be uh, just the start. There would be uh, potentially many other suggestions that can be turned into strategies uh, in the in the in the protocol. Of course, all of these are subject to governance, and that's uh, the, another important thing about uh, Cosmos and our choice of. Uh, of technology is that governance is a pretty central element in a in an app chain, right? So uh, you, basically, for you can tweak your design so that uh, each dis, each such small decision uh, or big can uh, can be only ac- accepted uh, via governance decision. So uh, it uh, in a sense you can have uh, now. Uh, you can basically allow your community to kind of engage in the various discussions uh, around the potential strategy that can be utilized. 
and whether it is meaningful and safe for the protocol to kind of include that. Because basically, as a borrower, you can uh, you can do what uh, the the protocol allows you to, so so, so that uh, uh, safety is guaranteed for every participant in in the system. Yeah, that, that, that's very cool. And so you've got these native strategies. Of course, I'm assuming you could take the USDC and send it over to Osmosis or anywhere else and do whatever you want with it. Um, yeah, so basically, uh, of, of course, uh, it, once you open a lease position, you now have an asset that uh, uh, that can be, uh, uh, that serves the purpose of gaining uh, more exposure and uh, course uh, take advantage of uh, of an uh, of a potential of an upside potential but uh, yeah any, anything additional you know is uh, of course subject to discussion and governance and whether it would be uh, accom accommodated by the, the the protocol so so that uh, uh, so that you can have like these extra functionalities the most important thing here is once you have a strategy that's implemented you would need to have sufficient liquidity in order for your protocol to be working properly or to liquidate if needed. And for example, liquid staked assets currently have sufficient liquidity in order to do that. Once we, for example, use the general message passing from Axelware and go towards tap the liquidity of EVN chains, that would be probably also very simple to do with Lido uh, for Ethereum. So different yield optimizations, but with little risk, meaning that liquidity should be there in order for the protocol to tap that liquidity and do liquidations and transactions freely. Got it. So you you, you mentioned uh, self-repaying loans, uh, Meta. Uh, that sounds extremely interesting. And and maybe you could uh, you know refresh everyone's mind. Like, what are they? How will it work within Nolis? Is it pretty much like you set it up and then at some point you come back and your entire loan is repaid? Are there manual steps involved in that process? So, so yeah, the, the idea is that uh, it uh, should be automated for the user as much as possible. And as I mentioned, the cool thing about this liquid staking derivatives by Stripe is that the yield there is auto compounded in the back, background, meaning that you don't have to, uh, by holding this uh, liquid staking derivative, you don't have to go to the protocol and manually click on claim for the reward uh, on claiming the rewards but rather they just come to you automatically and in a sense if you now have an yield that's uh, let's say 20 percent and you you as a borrower owe 15 percent then of course you now have five percent more that uh, can be used uh, to repay your position even uh, not just uh, the old uh, interest Ah, oh, good. Uh, okay, so the, the assets yeah. appreciating, but it doesn't automatically pay down your position. Like, there's no checkbox to say automatically repay my loan as you know the asset appreciates. Yeah. So, as also come uh, like common mentioned, the protocol is working on a cash basis, right? So the borrowers at some point they need to pay the old interest uh, at given periods, and uh, if the uh, if the underlying asset appreciates in value, then uh, the system automatically takes care of uh, basically this interest payment for for the borrower. So, in a sense, the you, you wouldn't need to do anything. Oh, that's brilliant! I, I like things. You know, I've got yeah. enough uh, places to go and click on my ledger, and I don't need one more. <laughs> Carmen, did you have anything else to add to this this part? No, that's that's the whole idea. The self repaying loan, you would be getting the rewards immediately in in your wallet. And if you decide to just leave it there without you doing any manual steps of repayment, it would eventually, at the end of the period, repay your interest. Once it repays your interest, there would be left more rewards and it could also repay your principal. And the idea here is that as long as you don't get liquidated and the price is at the appropriate level, at least at par, you would be able to actually repay your full loan that you have taken without paying anything else. Now, if the price appreciates further, you would be able to use that price appreciation to repay your loan and still have a lot of the position left so mm -hmm. that you can do anything else with it, whatever you decide to do. Swap it to another asset, send it to another network. 
Brilliant. So a lot of people watching along might be getting excited, thinking this is great. This is kind of like okay. a free money flywheel I, that's happening here. I, um, I have been excited for many, many months now, and we're finally getting to to discuss with people. And this is this is the reaction that we get, that people get excited around this product, and hopefully it will have mass adoption in a month and a half once we launch. I also wanted to pause a bit and to ask you, what are the risks that people should be considering? So right on one side, there's excitement, but obviously there are risks of people actually losing money. Um, and so, you know, maybe Meta or Carmen, if you could outline like what things should you be considering as far as risks? Obviously there's smart contract risks, but what else would, would people need to be aware of? On the lender side, we try to minimize that risk as much as possible. We've seen what happened in the past year and a half. Once you have centralized parties involved into the deposits of lenders, it could get misused. Yeah. Now, in this protocol, there is no opportunity to do that. This is why we've created the cash basis. This is why we are with an efficiency ratio capping depositors. So basically, the only risk here is for the borrower himself. So if you were at the end of 2021 and you have entered a lot of positions with nose you would probably would have been fully liquidated up until now. And once you get fully liquidated, you actually lose part of your position. You, you lose your down payment. So this is your risk as a borrower. Now, the lender would have received everything that he has provided as stable coins plus the interest that has been accumulated because the liquidations would have covered everything from their side. But there is risk for the borrower. Now, if you're a user who wants to just buy, swap, earn, stake, those things, it's done on a non-custodial way. So basically the risk is a smart contract risk. But we've done a lot for smart contract risk as well because we have been audited with Oak Security. We have done on the blockchain one audit. We have done on the smart contracts full audit. And it has been an extremely clean report in terms of issues, which gives us comfortability about the smart contracts and how we build it. Awesome. I know a lot of people in Cosmos are uh, concerned about open source. Is it open source or will it be open source? It is. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, fantastic. The whole, the, the whole code base is uh, open source on GitHub, so everyone can have a look. And the reports as well. And this is why we actually haven't, haven't discussed too much and we haven't built too much of a, let's say, hype around our product because we, we started discussing it like two months ago very verbally. Because we, are, we were at the very final stage of the development, just before launch. And the idea is that once you have an open source, it's extremely important for you, for you to have the first mover advantage, to be there first, right? So we have been building it for 12, 13 months without telling anyone, basically. And once we started telling anyone, everyone was like, oh, yeah, that, that really makes sense. Is it open source? Yes, it is, but it's at the end, so no one would be able to tap it that quickly and use it that quickly. And with Cosmos, with the Cosmos SDK, with IBC, we are actually looking to cross-chain to different networks. So it's not about just doing it on Ethereum and having the same smart contracts there because you wouldn't be able to cross-chain. Not that easy. We would be able to tap the liquidity of EVM chains immediately. This is actually something important that, that maybe uh, kind of people don't fully realize is it's almost like you've got outposts on different chains to bring that liquidity into the entire system, if I'm saying it correctly. So, yeah, yeah it's um, if you're referring to outposts as uh, smart contracts on various chains, then uh, it's a bit uh, different, actually. We're utilizing something called interchain accounts uh, for the Cosmos ecosystem in particular. And this is a... Um, as property of IBC that allows you uh, that allows you basically to create uh, an account on these various other networks, and these accounts they have the same properties as a usual account. So you can stake, you can uh, you can swap on osmosis, let's say, add liquidity, etc. But all within your own chain, and that's how we are basically accessing functionalities on other chains rather than uh, simply deploying uh, contracts on all of these chains and also by doing that you fragment liquidity and that's not something that uh, we we want to do we we want to uh, uh, we don't want to maintain our own liquidity but rather utilize the pools that are with the deepest liquidity and 
in the Cosmos ecosystem, ecosystem the IC, IBC and ICA are, uh, are great at, uh, at uh, allowing that. And as Kamen already mentioned for EVM chains, that would be uh, uh, plan to integrate with uh, the general message passing uh, functionality by Axelar, uh, which is uh, which should offer like a similar experience. Great, Kamen, did you have something to add? Well, the beauty of this model is that you don't build liquidity on different blockchains. So Compound, Tave, if they want to build liquidity on a different blockchain, they need to, first of all, do their smart contracts mm -hmm. and start their liquidity from bottom up. So they don't have any liquidity on the new blockchain. With, with our centralized approach, you actually build the liquidity once and you just use it through IBC, through interchain accounts in order to, for example, someone using their MetaMask to take a loan from your DeFi list without them understanding that they're switching blockchains and networks. They're just taking a loan with two clicks. That's it. Yeah, I think that the future is going to be a little more seamless for multi-chain because right now it's, we're trying to figure out how to get the token to the different blockchain, even within Cosmos is not, not an easy thing. Um, I did notice that you have USDC. I'm assuming it's uh, AXL USDC that you're, you're looking at. Um, there are obviously a lot of other stable coins uh, within Cosmos. Are there any plans to bring, you know, IST or USK or one of those other stables as, uh, you know, either lending or borrowing? Yeah, uh, so there are plans to integrate other stables, but as mentioned, the first important thing that we are looking at is liquidity depth. So because we are utilizing all these pools in the background, they need to offer deep enough liquidity so uh, so that uh, the protocol can be, after all, safe and the users can be free to use it. So uh, that's the primary property. As long as an asset has a deep enough liquidity, we can integrate. That's uh, that's the idea and uh, that's, that's the goal. Awesome. And as far as coins that, that people can borrow, uh, what does the list look like for, for launch? I mean, I think we've talked about Bitcoin and Adam. Like, What, what else can people borrow? So uh, at launch, uh, yeah, basically uh, uh, you can also uh, Osmo, uh, let's say uh, you can open a lease in uh, Juno, all these major uh, Cosmos uh, tokens uh, that uh, have like the deepest liquidity on uh, Osmosis because Osmosis will be the, the, the first and uh, the primary DEX of choice at launch. And uh, that, uh, check uh, simply uh, check out the pools uh, there, and uh, you'll 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 find your your answer. Uh, so so the, we're starting yeah. with ten to twelve tokens for the DeFi lease. For the swapping functionality, there would be much more, meaning that everything that has liquidity on osmosis, which is much more in terms of in terms of uh, availability, would be able to swap it, use it as down payment, use it as repayment. And then we would be moving towards different DEXs. For example, Crescent is something that we are targeting to start immediately working with in terms of integration. We would be doing Castroport, for example. We would be doing, for example, once we go outside Cosmos, we want to integrate with different DEXs there as well because it would give us the opportunity to tap their liquidity, their depth of the pools, and then just the protocol would be choosing where to do which transaction based on how uh, convenient it is, how appropriate it is to do it, how to do liquidations on that. So it, it would take a little bit of time in order to build a lot of DEXs and integrate a lot of DEXs, but at the end, it would give us the opportunity to be very risk-free because liquidations, if they cannot happen on one place, they would immediately happen on yeah. another place. If the debt decreases on one DEX, there would be immediate a uh, smart contract that would be redirecting the liquidations on another tax. And this is essential for not losing lenders' money into the pools. Yeah, and I guess also because you're aggregating DEXs, you'll have, if there are any swaps that are done, you'll get a slightly better rate than if you were just referring to salesmosis as a single DEX. Absolutely. This is also correct. So it would be choosing the best available price out there based on all of the taxes that you're using. How does the protocol itself make money? How is it kind of sustainable? Like we've talked about the real yield portion, but how is it kind of like a, a business? Well, there are three revenue streams to the protocol. The first one is that there is a margin between 
what the borrower repays and what the lender gets in real yield. So if the borrower, for example, repays 16%, 13% would go immediately to the lender, 3% would be kept as revenue. There is also a small transaction fee that is extremely small in terms of per transaction, but if volume is large, it would add up a lot. And then there is a swap fee. For every swap, there would be a small percentage above above the rates, the current rates from DEXs. Now, all of those three revenue streams, they're actually the only, their only purpose is to actually buy back our token on the open market, as I mentioned a little bit earlier. So the, the revenue streams, and we would be also probably uh, creating new different separate revenue streams, for example, from, uh, from coming from different networks, there would be an additional fee for coming from a different blockchain. And those fees would be having the same purpose, buy back our token, refill the incentive pool, give it to lenders in the long term. How does the team continue to get paid if most of it's all of it, the, the fees that are actually coming through the protocol uh, go to, to lenders ultimately? Well, we're incentivized through tokens. And this is the whole idea is to really push the protocol to work properly with a lot of volume so that it's used. And once it's used, the NOS token would have much more value, which would be much more valuable to us as a team. Okay, interesting. So it's it's rather than paying it out necessarily to to stakers, you buy back the token for, for for lenders, so that increases the depth of liquidity in the system. Correct, and increases their incentive to be there and stay there, because we've seen it a lot. They come lenders, they provide stables, they provide other assets, and once the the yields decrease, they just move out. And we want to first of all get them there because they are high real yields. They want of incentive in our token, but also make them stay because they are revenue streams that will be constantly refilling these NOS tokens and would be providing new additional rewards to them. And yeah. the, the real yield the real in stable stays forever. Real yield, definitely fantastic. Thank you for kind of going a little bit deeper into how the team is is compensated. I am curious, you know, I know there are a lot of competitors, uh, even within Cosmos, you know, Mars Protocol just launched and, you know, not to, to put down any of the other folks uh, in the ecosystem, but I'm curious how you would contrast and compare what Nolis is offering with something like what Mars Protocol is offering, which from the outside perspective looks very, very similar. Well, I don't think it's very similar, by the way. Meto, uh, give me a second. I'll just put a short intro. I love the Mars Protocol. It's great. Uh, but it's entirely different than us. We are a consumer chain that wants to attract every user, whether it's current DGEN or new user to the ecosystem, new user to the blockchain as a whole, with very simple UI and availability to, to get him to crypto by buying, selling, earning, really purchasing new assets, getting a little bit of loan, being a lender. So everything on one stop, one protocol, one platform. Well, Mars, I love them, but they're yield optimizer through one particular DEX, right? It's not cross-chain. It's not going to, uh, let's say, different yield optimizations. We would be using yield optimization in a different team by the least protocol. Meta, sorry, please go on. Yeah, so as Kamen mentioned, yeah, Mars are really nice. And uh, in their core, they're basically uh, they're basically utilizing a model that, that's over-collateralized, right? So they, their red bank is uh, similar to, let's say, Compound and Aave. And they're building on top of that with various functionalities, for instance, uh, uh, their field of Mars is uh, kind of like a uh, uh, leveraged yield farming solution that uh, utilizes osmosis pools, and which is kind of uh, risky because uh, you're uh, exposed to the price of both assets. So if uh, they differ too much from one another, you can get liquidated pretty fast, of course, in exchange for a potentially higher yield. And uh, also, yeah, their, um, their uh, architecture is like... Uh, completely different than ours. True, they have their own chain, but they utilize uh, these outposts. So they deploy their smart contract base on various chains and utilize the functionalities of those chains there. Whereas we utilize IBC and interchain accounts. So our liquidity is actually concentrated on, on our protocol. 
And from there on, we simply tap into the functionalities and liquidity of other uh, Cosmos chains. Okay, awesome. Thank you for, for, for that difference. I think, uh, you know, there's so many uh, different types of markets that are launching that sometimes it's it's hard for people to tell uh, apart. I, I very much like, uh, you know, the end-to-end -end for the consumer uh, bringing people on board because uh, I think we're still so early with, with everything in crypto. We are. We are. Now, in the Cosmos is probably, you know, everyone has made it to this point. Uh, they, you, you know, you, you get a little bit of the, uh, I guess, the reward here. Uh, what about airdrops? Is there going to be an airdrop for Adam Stakers or Juno Stakers? <laughs> How are you going to incentivize the Cosmos to come and find you? Uh, there wouldn't be an airdrop in the sense of how different other protocols are trying to achieve because the tokenomics on our side is actually much more, let's say, consumer-centric. So there would be a lease drop. This is how we code it. This would be something like an airdrop, but incentivized, meaning people would actually be our first testers of the protocol, of our UI, of the, of the things that we've seen here, and they would be receiving rewards for being such. They would be, for example, saying what they don't like, how they want to change it, how they want us to change it before we launch. So in order to us to understand how people feel about it, we would be able to provide a lease drop or incentivized, incentivized campaign that would be acting as something like an error. Arcus, so you're asking people to provide a little bit of, a, bit of value back to the chain uh, rather than just kind of stake at them and it falls from the exactly, sky. Exactly, exactly. And, and these, these, uh, their opinion is extremely important to us because this would be the first users and then they need to like it. And in order to like it, they need to try it. And we try to incentivize them trying. And I think that's fair. You know, I'm curious what you think of the uh, Ethereum model where uh, they tend to launch a chain like Arbitrum. And there's this promise at some point that you'll get, uh, you know, an airdrop of something. Um, and so people are using it in the hopes of the airdrop. <laughs> Did you consider a model like that? Yeah, so uh, basically in that case, uh, most of these projects are... Uh, whether it be a project or a, a, a blockchain uh, or L2, uh, they uh, they uh, kind of start off with uh, their full set of functionalities. And at some point, uh, they do a retroactive uh, airdrop based on uh, activity in the system. In our case, uh, from day one, the NOS token would be like a core central element in our system, right? So it would make sense for it to be there. Uh, so uh, that's how we thought about this, uh, this model here, this uh, for the lease drop, that uh, we actually incentivize people to first use our product on the testnet, uh, have a feel of uh, everything that it offers. And once the yeah, minute uh, launches, then uh, uh, this, uh, this phase has been uh, completed and uh, we can move forward rather than uh, uh, do it the other way. Cool. Will you all be taking advantage of uh, interchain security in any way? Or, or is it completely your own set of validator nodes? So we'll start off with our own set of validator nodes. And one of, once, of course, the, 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 the interchain security concept model uh, uh, matures enough and we are able to grasp, uh, grasp uh, all of its benefits, which uh, we think it uh, really has. And of course, we're open to uh, consider it. Awesome. The last question from me is uh, when? I think you, you mentioned roughly a month and a half, Common. Do you have a firm date for when it's going to launch? Not a firm date, but May. May okay. this year is our target, hopefully in the middle of it. Sometime in May. So watch the space. Um, uh, thank you so much. Is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you want to make sure that we cover in this conversation? Well, I think we've covered everything that we're building in terms of general stuff. There are always details that we want and will be able to discuss, but I think it would get too much technical and it doesn't really make sense. Cool, cool. Meta, anything from your side that, that you think is important to talk about? Oh, I, I agree with Kamen. Uh, yeah, uh, we could have approached it well. Yeah, uh, go into much more detail in terms of what happens exactly in the background, but uh, I guess it would get uh, 
overcomplicated. So I think we did. Uh, yeah, this was great. Uh, thank you both for, for taking the time. I really appreciate you going deep into the protocol. Uh, thank you to everyone who was uh, you know here in chat for following along. I uh, really appreciate you as well. Uh, if you do enjoy conversations like this, hit the like button, do a subscribe, do all the YouTube things. Uh, we have lots of awesome founders within the, within the crypto ecosystem who stop by at Just Crypto and have conversations like this where you can get to know them, you can get to know a little bit more about their protocol. Um, Carmen Meta, thank you so much, and I'll see you all later. Thanks for having us. It was us. a pleasure.